We'd like to thank our beer buddies, Joel Gerhold, of course, the, the tried and true Joel, Joel Gerhold, and our beer buddy, John Locke, as well as our microbrew pal, Augustine M. Mastrone II. I... I, maybe Chelsea has a brother. Maybe Chelsea has a um, is you know assuming a new identity. I'm not yeah. sure, but either way, thank you very much for your support. If you like what you hear, you can throw a couple dollars our way by going to Tugboat and going to tugboatyards.com/slash/the-shakes. The ups and downs of being creative, discussed over cocktails with friends. You're listening to the Shakes. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are talking with a very, very old friend of mine. We go decades and decades back. This is Adam Beebe, an artist, a uh, man about town, and, and, a, and a very beardy fellow. <laughs> and uh, and uh, so we're just going to... Like how beardy? Like very, very, very beardy. Like how far, how far down? Down to the belly button? Not quite. Belly button. A bit of tone. But, but close, but close. <laughs> it um, easily past my collarbone. So nice, very beardy. So, so you've been you've been uh, been doing fine art for quite a while, and now you have decided that you're going to go back to uh, go back to grad school. Yep, that is correct. So, what was a uh, what what was the idea? What was the idea? What were you thinking, Adam? I, I don't know. Um, well, for the past several years, I had owned a business, a comic book store in uh, Goldsboro, North Carolina, which I loved, and I loved uh, running the, sh- the store. Uh, but I got to the point to where I realized that I'm not a businessman, I'm an artist. And what I want to do and what makes me happy is making art. And I make art for myself um, because, you know, that's what I have to do. It's in me. So I decided that uh, to be happy, um, to pursue, you know, my dream, uh, this is what I needed to do. And I guess ultimately my goal after graduate school would be uh, to be a professor, uh, to teach okay. at the university level. Uh, so, you know, hopefully so a little job security, but still being able to uh, create art and do my art and um Hopefully, in the in the meantime, find ways to connect into uh, markets and places where people would really, you know, appreciate and want to actually buy my art. So, yeah. Uh, so, all right. So, all right. so you you would teach? I'm sorry, you teach painting? I would uh, painting or um, like figure drawing something. Ideally, that's what I'd okay. like to. Teach. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a predominantly a figure painter, uh, but I, I draw as well. Uh, drawing's what I've done for most of my life. Uh, painting's only relatively a newer uh, thing that I've. I don't know. I don't know if I've ever or ever will master it, but it's something that I've, I've, it's clicked, and I, you know, I know how to do it now. And that took a long time uh, for me to kind of get my head around. And so um, I'm more familiar with drawing, but I do enjoy painting. So, 
Yeah, I, I don't know. And knowing you, I wouldn't necessarily say that painting is is a relatively new thing for you. I mean, I can think of you know as as far back as I can possibly remember. I mean, your style has always been you. You've always done a lot with like blowing ink with straws and you know and so maybe instead of using actual paint you were actually doing ink with brushes and things like that so i don't know i i, I would give yourself a little more credit well uh, I I think painting that. has painting has definitely been has been in your artistic dna forever for sure i feel i appreciate that i think i mean i have you know definitely uh always use ink and brush and wet media. Um, yeah. I think that more recently I've, uh, I've gotten, I've stepped out of kind of where I previously would, I don't know, fairly monochromatic and how I like to approach painting to where now I understand more, uh, how to use color to, uh, convey, uh, what I'm trying to do. Uh, which is funny because I'm not actually a fan of color, but yet my my paintings are extremely colorful, and I use color expressively in my paintings, uh, which is still somewhat of a bit of a mystery to me. But it still it works, it works, and it turns out pretty well, and I'm happy with it. And I've started. I guess I now uh, feel that I can you know, more, I'm more, I feel, I feel that I've reached a level. Maybe that's, maybe that's more of a, what I should be saying is that I've reached a level of maturity in my painting to where now I can say I am a painter. And whereas with my drawing, I focused on that so much in my youth, uh, that, uh, my, I developed my skill predominantly in that area. So I think I'm a drawer and a painter, but I think more recently I'm a painter. Okay. Huh. Okay. okay. So, so what does, what does graduate school in, in, in painting, what does that look like? I mean, how, what are you, what are you expecting in? I really, uh, I really don't know. Okay. Uh, I really don't have a clue. I know I would be painting a lot Yeah. and, uh, just trying to continue to, uh, work on my craft and my skill and my, you know, as they say, my vision, uh, I know that it will be something that, uh, you know, I'm looking for, I'm looking for the challenge of the, uh, the setting, but also to be surrounded in a creative environment and one that's kind of a nurturing kind of a thing and kind of, uh, where I can just, you know, I can bounce ideas off a fellow artist in kind of, you know, in the academic commune kind of, kind of a, a field. So I, that's one thing I'm looking forward to. I'm, uh, also, you know, seeing that I want to be a uh, an instructor, um, hopefully I'll have the opportunity to, uh, you know, teach some classes and learn to do learn that to make sure that's actually what I want to do. Although I feel strongly that that's I have a you know an aptitude for that. Yeah, you know, kind of kind of that mentorship and yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, if that comes naturally to you, then then yeah. So about. When when did you kind of have a tipping point? Because you've had you had a a studio while yep. while you were running the the comic book sh- shop. You also uh, were maintaining a studio for a, a couple of years that I know of at least. Yeah. What, what uh, how did how did that kind of tipping point come? Where you where you were like came to that realization that you said there that you know like I am really much more of a, a maker and an and an artist than I am a business owner. 
Well, I think that there were several things. Um, last year was kind of a, a, a year of change and a year of growth. Um, a lot of, you know, um, a lot of elements that combined to kind of put me to the point that led to where, you know, I realized that although I loved what I was doing, I had lost a bit of love because of business, because of, you know, when I worked at the comic store, um, I was always as, you know, basically running it, but not being the owner, I was really good at that. And I was really able to kind of keep up with uh, all sorts of different storylines and, and know what was going on and, and love it and care about it. And then it, it, it slowly, gradually became more about um, the business aspect and the numbers and the numbers being, well, I need to make these orders and I have to pay these bills and not like the numbers, whereas this is issue number 52, you know, uh, this is a new number one. So it became, it took away uh, a lot of the, the, the joy that I had that I've always had uh, with comics that I've been, you know, I loved comics and um, while that was going on and, you know, other things um, in my personal life, I decided that, you know, uh, this opportunity, I, see, I, I saw an opportunity to break out mm-hmm. um, kind of happen. And I had been, uh, I talked to a, uh, I was talking, had been talking to a friend of mine um, and she had always talked about going back to graduate school and, um, really had the desire to do that, but she never did. And I kind of was prompted. I was like, well, maybe that's what I should do. Maybe I should just go for it. Um, when I took over the comic shop, uh, and I told, you know, I told my mother that this is what I was going to do. I'm going to buy this comic shop from um, my friend who owned it and, you know, was my boss. Uh, I said, you know, if I don't like it after I pay it off in five or six years, I can always go back to school. Because I had thought about, uh, I had actually applied previously to graduate school, a couple of schools, and uh, did not make it in. But my portfolio and, honestly, my ability were not quite there yet. And between that time and the time that I had uh, started working in my studio and really developing and putting myself really into my art, um, and I developed quite a bit in over, you know, pretty, pretty, you know, a short amount of time, I think. So I felt that, you know, I'm like, hey, you know, I want to do this. This is what's going to make me happy. This is going to get me to where... Um, I'll find a place where I, you know, I feel that I need to be. Yeah. So that's, that's ultimately kind of the one, you know, the, the roads that led, there were many roads and they're always like, they all led to like, Hey, let's do this. Let's do this now. So. Yeah. Uh, rejection always is, is great for lighting a fire under one's ass. That's for sure. Well, you know, it's, it's funny because after I had submitted, I didn't really, I didn't really you know, do art. I plan on submitting the next year, uh, but then I ended up buying the shop and I really didn't do any artwork for about a year. And then one day I just had that itch. I was like, I have to do something. I need to paint. And so I just started painting and that led, there was, it was just attached into a massive bank of creativity. And it was just this burst that I made just, you know, probably about, 
60 or 70 paintings in about a three or four month period. Wow. wow. Yeah. Yeah. And these were all, uh, these were all abstract um, works. They were non-representational. It was just shapes and forms and, and line uh, and very colorful. And it was all things that were outside of my comfort zone, the things that I did not necessarily like doing, but I made myself do these things as an exercise. And by doing so, I learned to become a painter. I really learned what I needed to do and what I wasn't doing and how to think as a painter. And uh, ultimately, I moved on through that uh, series. And I, I, wor I worked that whole concept in that series of this, this abstract work for about a year and a half. And then I decided I wanted to uh, uh, do figure work because I always liked um, drawing figures and people. Uh, and it goes back to where I wanted to be a comic book artist when I was a little kid. Uh, so I found I uh, had some found some friends who decided who agreed to model for me and, and they posed for me. And then I've been working on um, this figure painting series for a, a, about a year and a half now. So it's and that's to me, I feel like this is my mature work and this is what I really enjoy. And it combines everything that I've learned in the recent, you know, uh, you know, my recent run, my recent development, but also goes back and draws on everything I had before uh, that I loved about art and about making art. That's very, very cool. That is cool. Yeah. Thanks. I, so here's the answer to the, what does graduate school look like? The naked models are much hotter. <laughs> that's, that's, uh, it's, 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 as, it's as simple as that. Yeah, it's it really looks. It, it also looks like rather large bills, mm -hmm. but yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, hey, that's what I have to do. So I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that, and I'm uh, definitely excited about you know the models. So. <laughs> so I'm, so I'm curious about your comic book store experience because a. Um, High Fidelity is one of my favorite movies ever, so I always have this fantasy of, and for me, it wouldn't be a comic book store, it wouldn't be a record store, it would be a like DVD, Blu-ray, slash maybe even a, a movie theater connected. Right. And um, um, and it's funny because we, um, I had, um, I worked with a, a local bank here was one of our clients and. We were working with small business and, and I said, how do you know, like when you have that kind of entrepreneur mentality, um, I said, because when I think about certain businesses, I, I, I think about, oh, I'm going to be up in the middle of the night and I'm just going to be worrying about keeping the doors open and numbers and stuff. Yeah. Um, I said, is that a natural feeling? She's like, yeah, no, you're probably not. You're not wired to be an entrepreneur. And that's when I think about like if I were to open my own agency, that's that that's my immediate feeling. But when I think about like, oh man, if I could open up like a, a movie store slash theater, I'm like, man, I just think that would be the best thing. And I don't know that I would stay in business very long, um, <laughs> but those six months would be, be awesome. sweet. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I had the. Uh... I, I, I had that high fidelity experience uh, in college when I worked at a record store and, you know, one that an independent record store that actually had records. 
and as well as CDs and everything. So I know that aspect of it. And I was, I was good at that job. Um, so by having that, you know, which is one of my music is one of my passions and, and, you know, kind of an audio file or, you know, music snob, whatever, try not to be, but, uh, I, I do get called that. Um, so by having that aspect and also having, uh, had my own shop, um, it was great. Uh, I, you know, I, I feel like I created an atmosphere of people where people could come and hang out. It's almost, almost a bar or a clubhouse without yeah. news, um, but with comics. So that's, that's you know, just as good. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough these days. Uh, you know, I took over right in the heavy part of the recession and I took over with, uh, the store being in debt and I was able to get us out of debt. Uh, I was able to pay off, um, the business within two years. Um, So yeah, I, I got a good deal on it and, but I worked hard and I worked seven days a week um for a number of years you know taking off on holidays uh only because if i didn't my my you know my family would be very upset um but you know i mean i put a lot of a lot of work um in it and it was labor of love you know but sometimes um you know sometimes your paradise can be your prison yeah and so that is that it kind of kind of started becoming that and i started reaching out for more and started reaching to that point to where I, you know, I don't mind being known as, you know, the comic book guy, but that's not who I am. Right. I'm an artist and that's what I want to be known as. And I don't want to deny that to myself anymore. I want to, um, to do it because I can, you know, as much as I would not like to, I can go without comic books, but I can't go without making art of some, yeah. some way or another, even if I'm, if I'm making a mixtape or I'm making uh, uh, a sketch or just marks in, a, in the margin of a notebook, I have to be doing something like that. Uh, and if I don't do it for a while, it starts to affect me uh, mentally and emotionally. And so I've got to do that. So, um, you know, I'm a maker, I have to do these things. And so it was just, you know, these are just, this is what I have to do. So, I, you know, even though I stumbled into what was my dream job when I was 12 years old of owning my own comic book shop, uh, I, I loved it. I enjoyed it. I enjoyed all my friends from there and all my, you know, cause I mean, you know, I had friends, I didn't have just customers, I had friends and you know, all of that, but it's just, you know, I felt like, okay, I, I fit this box. I need to find an, I'm outgrowing it. I need to find the box that I'm supposed to be in. And so that's why, you know, time to move on and try these new things. You talked about, um, and it's funny, I just brought this up. I um, met with an intern today at Hallmark and she was just kind of getting background on me and, and, um, and you brought this up where you're like, I had that itch where I had to paint, I had to create. And when I was a kid, I can remember like I there were times when I couldn't sleep and I just had to go down and I had to make something and I yeah. had to take an empty egg carton and cut holes in it and run marbles through it and onto tracks and create something. Um, and, um, and you know, I don't know if I 
evolved or if I like just switched out of that for some reason, but I don't have that. Um, I don't have that itch anymore and, and it's disappointing. And so the question I have is, is, is like, can I, I mean, you've, you've done a lot of where you're training your brain to do something. I wonder if there's something that I can do that kind of gets me back into that because I, the, um, I made a, um, I made a toy lamp, um, for my office and she's like, Oh, well tell me more about that. And, and I said, well, I made one and I said, I've got about three fourths of one made that I haven't finished yet. And I said, my problem is, is I do something and then I'm like, okay, done that. And then I, I, you know, it's amazing that I stayed with my movie blog for like four years because, um, you know, I, as much, as much as I love that. And I think back to that, I could not for the life of me make myself go back and do that again because I just kind of done it. I mean, I, I don't know what I would, what, what I would do other than more of the same stuff. So I, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I kind of threw a bunch of shit out there. You know. just said a whole bunch of things. I did. I, yeah. I think, I think, um, fix Pat is, is fix the, me. Yeah. Fix I'll me. do what I can. I'll do what I can. I'll reach through and, and touch you. Early, and, pro, early professor training right here. Go. <laughs> I think that, um, I think that whatever it is that you have to do that that you do to get that you know that desire that need to create out of you it's you know you have to be you have to enjoy it and still be challenged yeah and you may hit that wall where you're like you know well I still kind of like doing this but I'm not feeling challenged or I don't feel challenged anymore or I don't like doing this anymore yeah and that's where you're like okay, well, I made lamps. Now maybe I'll try my hand at making chairs or, um, you know, flutes, you know, something, but, you know, as long as you still, you know, I think it's, you know, it's part of the, it's the mind and the body working together the to, you know, to, uh, to do and to do that action of creating. And there's, cause you get lost in it, you know, and, and you, that's where you want to go because that's that, that zone. It's like, you know, when athletes are in the zone, you know, they're not aware of the outside world. And so uh, when you're creating and you're tapping into that zone, that's when it's rewarding. And when it becomes a struggle and it's not as rewarding, you know, it can be, um, you can be building more, you know, barriers than you're actually, you know, breaking down. It would be like if you were Michelangelo and you're not doing, uh, it's not working that day. You're just adding more marble back onto the slab and taking it away. Um, and, you know, that happens. Just like writer's block, it happens. Yeah. You know, you either take a break and refocus you, uh, or you focus at another kind of project, another kind of uh, discipline, or, you know, you just push your way through it. And, you know, there's no, there's no real answer for any one person, um, you know, but there's all of the, all of the different options, you know, and it may just, you know, I don't, I think the wrong answer though is to stop. I think yeah. the wrong answer is to quit no matter how discouraged you get. I think that's the worst thing because even when you run into a problem uh, and you struggle with things, if you keep working at it, Eventually, you're going to figure it out. Eventually, you're going to get better. And that's the ultimate goal. 
yeah. you know, to continue learning and to continue growing. And that's, you know, not just in your craft and in your, in your art, but also as a person. And I think when we get to the, those stagnant points, that's whenever, um, we feel frustrated. That's when the frustration sets in and we start pulling ourselves down and you can't let that happen. You just have to, you know, be like, okay, I just, you know, breathe and just, I'll find something else, something else that can get me past this. And then maybe I can go back to it or maybe I'll find a whole other passion uh, uh, and another outlet to pursue. So I think, I think that's the key. I think that's what, you know, needs to be done to where, you know, you follow, um, organically, you know, kind of where, you know, where, where you, where you end up going, you know, you make your own path and you find it and you, you cut it and, and, and see where it takes you. Very good. You passed a, yep. He got the a. first course done. And I uh-huh. think you need to make a flute for joy <laughs> and we'll have her do like a, like a little concert or something. <laughs> Make Actually, her, make I her have tap into something new. I I have <laughs> the thing that I'm truly passionate about. I just don't know how to do it. I don't have the craft in myself to do it. So it's either a I train myself, and it could be extremely long and hard, or um, I just partner with somebody. But my thing is, is that I'm so fascinated with. Um, like the Thunderbirds marionettes and even the Incredibles and, and even a little bit Tony Stark's house and stuff, that kind of um, like 50s mm-hmm. architecture and the hidden rooms and the pool that opens up and stuff. And what I want to do is I want to do a book, a combination of these architectural renderings of these crazy ass like homes and maybe even contraptions. And yeah. then I want to write a story about each one of these um, and you know, the, the people that live in this house and, and the life that they live and could be really short stories, could be longer stories. And, and I haven't gotten to that, but I thought that that would be really cool. It's like not just the, the, the renderings of what these things are, but um, um, you know, it could be, you know, this one family has inherited this house from this eccentric millionaire right. and it does all these things and some of them work and some of them don't. And this is what they use them for now. Or it could be, there's this, you know, space age family that, you know, I just, I think that that would be really interesting to explore kind of both I like parts that. of that. And, and so I thought, well, I'll just go teach myself how to, draw like that. And I'm like, that, that's like saying, Oh, I'm just going to pick up uh, Chinese. Uh, I'm going to start speaking Mandarin yeah. uh, tomorrow. You know, I think that that, but, and, and I'm surrounded by, you know, and, and as you're talking, I'm even thinking, you know, I'm surrounded by all these incredible illustrators at Hallmark. And I think I might just start there and I might just say, yeah. all right, who does this or who knows somebody who does. And then let's, you know, who kinda, wants to play? Yeah. Who wants to play? Right. Yeah. 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 You know, that, that, I mean, I, I, I certainly like the idea and I think, you know, if it's, it's kind of like, okay, you know, you're a conductor and you have written the music, but you don't necessarily know how to play the tuba, but you need that tuba there. So you can learn to play the tuba and it may take you years or you can, you know, find someone else who can and you can build your symphony. So. You know, when you're having something that's a large, you know, a larger project and, you know, sometimes you do have to realize that, you know, this is beyond my means. Um, 
I can either attempt it myself or I can find someone else to, you know, be part of this with me. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I understand that as that aspect of, you know, I understand what you're saying in there. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, as, as you know, as you, being a writer and, and having, you know, illustrators, I mean, those, you know, it, that's, that's part of a creative marriage and you just yeah. got to find a, uh, got to find the right partner. Exactly. Yeah. No, very yeah. true. Very true. Yeah. I, I've been thinking about that, that whole notion of cutting your own path and, and everything that you had been talking about earlier. It was pretty much always inevitable that I would end up doing this. Don't you think? No, I, I'm not surprised in the least bit that uh, of the things that you've done uh, overall, Mr. Fuxa, and accomplished. Um, you know, um, you never were quite that rock star you wanted to be. But I mean, just I, I mean, I you know, I think I learned about uh, the internet before it was maybe even termed the internet from you. Um, so I didn't, you know, those things, your, your, your involvement with technology and, um, the, you know, the media the, and all this, it's not surprising at all. Yeah. And it's surprising to me that you are uh, as accomplished as you are and oh, how, you. you know, how you uh, have just, you've grown with, uh, with the whole phenomenon itself, you know, this whole other, other new aspect that came out of uh bulletin boards and AOL. Mm-hmm. So. Well, and I can, I can think of when, when I was the intern at that radio station and like you came by the radio station and we found all those production music libraries yes. and, and just spent like the entire evening just making fake commercials, just, yeah. you know, just mixing stuff. And yeah, yeah, I mean, it was, yeah, I mean, you know, God, I wish I, I, I I've got to have the cassette of that somewhere, but yeah, I mean, you know, Adam and I, we would, we'd make all these things. And you were saying earlier that, you know, it's, it's always that itch to make, whether, whether it is sketching or all this stuff. And, and you have been involved in, in music. Like when, when you were an undergrad, you were in, you were in a band and it was uh, called art Lord and the self portraits. Correct. That is correct. That is correct. And, uh, and, and what, uh, what was what was what was that band all about? What I mean, well, you know, with with a name like that, you kind of get like a very strange, uh, you know, kind of a kind of a concept band kind of. Oh, thing. Abs- absolutely, absolutely, a, a concept band. And it was definitely a band that was born out of uh, art school, um, and kind fact, of like the Talking Heads. No, very much, you know, and um, in fact, the uh, when I was at. Uh, when I was at East Carolina University, when all of this was happening, there were several bands that have uh, that grew out of that time period, about a four or five year uh, period, that have gone on, and all of them were born out of the art school. Really, um, really, yeah, yeah. There is uh, Art Lord and Self Portraits, mm-hmm. who um, who are now Future Islands. Yeah. Um, the Avid Brothers were a band called Nemo, and then they became uh, the Avid Brothers now. Really? Who are, okay. Yeah, so I, I, I you know, I, I, I kind of know them as well from back then. Uh-huh. Um, there's a uh, an, an indie, indie band called uh, the Love Language, and they're on Merge, and they're they're pretty good. And then there's a uh, kind of a metal hard rock band called Valiant Thor with two R's. Yeah, with two, and, yeah, okay. And, yeah, they're all, and they all came out, and they're all, you know, I'm, I've known these guys for, for a while, and they all came out around that same kind of time period, uh, all out of the art school. Um, so, uh, 
with the art lord and the self portraits, I had actually uh, dropped out of school, mm-hmm. and I because I just I did not know what I wanted to do, and I was in my uh, mid to late twenties, and I was just working at the record store trying to figure out what I was going to do. Um, I was even contemplating moving to Australia, um, but I didn't. Um, one day, these two young guys who used to come into the record store all the time, Sam and William. Uh, they were freshmen, so they're they're young. They're eighteen, and um, they're like, "Oh, BB, 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 uh, we're gonna we're gonna start a band, and we're gonna call it Art Lord and the Self Portraits." And uh, they're like, "You want in? You want in?" And I'm like, "Sure, <laughs> why not? Why not? Yeah, exactly. You know, and because I had had I had uh, with another friend of mine recorded some kind of weird music similar in a fashion to like Ween." Um, and, um, th- I shared some of the recordings with them and they were just like, Oh, blown away. And we had a whole story behind the previous band. It's called ruin your stereo. <laughs> um, and we had a story behind it. Like we, we, you know, we had played in Europe and toured and stuff and we were banned from Belgium because of some incident with cough, cough syrup and all of these things, just, you know, this, this farce, this, this story. And, um, they believed it for a little bit. And, um, so they were like, Oh, he, you know, he's done this stuff. So, you know, they got, so they asked me to, to join in. And I told them, I was like, I don't know how to play any instruments. <laughs> and they're like, it's okay. We don't really know either. And we're just, we have this idea, you know, because it's going to be this, this guy, his name is Locke Ernst Frost. He is the art Lord. He is the greatest artist ever of all humankind and all humanity that, you know, this, there will be no peak. He is the Zenith. And, um, he's, you know, he's conquered art. So now he wants to conquer his expression through music. And he, fa- he could find no musicians that were capable enough to capture what he needed. And so he created these, these self portraits of himself to be his backing band and so yeah so that was the concept and we were going to be the most pretentious art rock band ever but uh yeah well we we were all too nice to really be pretentious pricks so um we ended up being kind of like a very um kind of new wavy post-wave dance pop band uh but it was a lot of fun you know and so you know so what did you end up playing I, well, I ended by default. None of us had instruments. Our, our lead singer had never sang. Uh, he was just a. He had some experience in uh, freestyle rap. Um, yeah. <laughs> so this white kid from the beach of North Carolina, small beach town, kind of beach town, uh, was a freestyle rapper. Um, and uh, this other kid, uh, he could play guitar. Uh, but he didn't have one with him. And I had a friend who, one of my housemates at the time, he had a bass. So we had a bass. So they, one they instrument had, down, one instrument down. Uh, the, uh, so William was playing on bass. Sam was going to be singing and I was going to be playing whatever we could find. So we found a keyboard and had to program drum beats. And so there we go. And uh, I had a friend who had uh, another artist, another art school, um, girl, um, Kimya Nawabi, who, uh, did you ever see 
the there was a television series i think it was on bravo or ovation it was the art star or next big artist or something like that mm-hmm. she that won the one that peregrine uh, almost won i don't know i only saw part of the season she was on that and she won um because she's an amazing artist okay but, yeah but she joined in and she was with us um for the, about the first six months and then she went on to grad school uh, so that was the the core. That was the first of the group. After, and we played a show on Valentine's Day, uh, 2004, uh, or was it no 2003? Sorry. And we um, played a show about a month later. We the the lead singer brought in a friend of his from his hometown who could play guitar, um, and so that was when Garrett came in. And so when he kind of was added to the mix. We had two people who could actually kind of play instruments. And then I was really good at just finding some good sounds to fit in in between. And we started to make things that sounded kind of like songs. And over time, everybody actually kind of learned how to play their instrument. Uh, well, I learned how to play my parts, not necessarily my instrument. But um, so, you know, we grew as a band and, uh, you know, these guys were all 18 turning 19, and I was uh, 27 turning 28. <laughs> yeah. So there was a little bit of a, you know, age difference. But at the same time, you know, it was it was good that I was kind of there, I think, to kind of balance out all the... Uh, the youth. The youth, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, but, yeah, so it was high concept. Um, our lead singer, he spoke with a kind of a... a fake uh continental kind of accent um so a lot of people thought he was german um and he was really good with this accent while he was on stage and when he was on stage he was always in character he never broke character he was always dressed in white uh the self-portraits were always all dressed in black and you know that and we didn't say a word while we were on stage we were all quiet it was all there on him so Unfortunately, he just had the gift of being an incredible frontman and just, you know, mesmerizing the audience. And a lot of people compared him to like, uh, he had a lot of early comparisons to uh, Jack Black with his facial nice. and everything. Oh, yeah. But I mean, he could just grab an audience and he's just, you know, he commands an audience and he's all of the boys. I still call them the boys. Um, they've just, you know, they've grown and just their talents have gotten so much better and they've become such so good at their craft mm-hmm. uh, of being musicians. And then, you know, they're out touring the world. And uh, I just got a text from Sam yesterday. They just got back from their uh, European tour and um, you know, they're, they're doing it. This is what they're doing for their living and they're making it. And, you know, they're not huge, but you know, I mean, they're getting big, you know, they were on Letterman and they were on um Jimmy Kimmel. So, you know, that's cool. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, the, the, the Letterman uh, performance is, is the one thing that, you know, I, I always hear a lot of people talking about, I mean, yeah. and, and uh, you know, just such energy that, that they yeah. have. And so, and so, so Adam, yeah, I mean, being part of being part of this. so when you go and you, and you look on Wikipedia and you see about future islands, Adams right there on the in the Wikipedia Sweet. entry, you were, you were in uh, rolling stone too, weren't you? I, I, I don't say. know. I might have been. Yeah, yeah. I think because <laughs> they were they were talking about uh, you know future islands and how the whole thing, and they talked about Art Lord and self portraits and and that's cool. you were there, man. man you that's were there. cool. 
I made it. I didn't yeah. even realize. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have here listed Batman. Why? Why is Batman called that? <laughs> I just threw Batman. You just threw Batman. Well, it's, it's kind. Of, it's kind of a. Du- it's kind of a double edged. Uh, it's a double edged thing. We could talk about Batman, or just the fact that Batman says hi. <laughs> so, because my my wife's name is Robin, he's also a good friend of Robin's, and she he used to call her Batman. Yeah. Uh, so you just played a really weird insider. I just did a totally weird insider thing. thing. Yeah. Yeah. To be fair, there's actually been a few um, inside jokes that I, you know, while this has gone on. So yeah, it, there there have been a few. There have been a few that, that have, have just, been so have inside, been so inside, you didn't on. even know they happened. Damn. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Yeah. yeah, Adam. We'll we'll talk later, and we'll form our own little. And <laughs> next time we talk, I'll throw something out, and you and I'll know, it and Jeremy won't even get it. Yep. There you go. Sounds like a plan. There you go. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, if you if you want to talk about Batman, you can you can certainly no, uh, throw something out there. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's lots to be said about Batman. Um, always. You know, and and that's one of those things that at the shop it's always a topic of discussion, and everybody's like, well, who would win between? Batman and blank, Batman and blank, Batman, whoever, mm-hmm. and, or Superman. And I'm like, and, and to me, the answer, the answer is always, always, always Batman. Always, and always. always Batman. And people were like, well, what about this? What about that? I'm like, Batman. What about this? What about that? Batman. And then I look at him in all sincerity. And I tell them this from the bottom of my heart, the correct answer is always Batman. <laughs> yep. If the correct answer is not Batman, the question is wrong. <laughs> so yeah, so they're Batman. There you go. And I mean, you know, and Batman's not my he's not my favorite character. He's one of them, sure. Yeah. But he's the best superhero because he's not super. He's just a man. He's just he, a man. That's a you know, that's the thing is is you know, I got into comic books i didn't get into comic books the way like i I really i i'm i've always been kind of a collector so i think it was more about me collecting comic books than actually getting into them and Mm -hmm. i mean i was always fascinated with um you know judge dread and x-men and stuff but i have to say when frank miller's dark knight came out i mean and i think back to I mean, I remember we had some friends in town and we were out to dinner and I snuck back out to the car <laughs> to finish reading one of the four yeah. um, because I was so mesmerized by it. Yeah. And um, and I was just like, oh, my God, this is so dark and scary and just such an interesting take. And, and I never got into the independence enough to truly appreciate what other people were doing and stuff. But I was just so blown away by that. Um, yeah, yeah, it was cool. It was cool. Definitely. Definitely. That that's, uh, I mean, that's one of those pieces that even now it stands the test of time. I mean, you know, even though it's totally, you know, it's all about the Reagan era. Yeah. Um, And with Reagan being, you know, kind of one of the bad guys. Yeah. Um, it's still quality a story. It stands the test of time. Yeah. So that's one of those things. And that's, again, that's one of those things about Batman because he is a man. You can tell any story with Batman. Yeah. Um, that is true. Super, 
you know, and super, everybody's like, oh, Superman's got every power and he can do, he's unstoppable. He's, he's got, boring. Like, he's boring. He, he, well, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, there's that aspect and a good Superman story is not about Superman. It's about what's happening around him. Yeah. But, yeah. uh, but Superman, his stories are limited because he is so powerful. Yeah. And I mean, I understand historically when Superman first came out, especially, you know, in the depression years, that was something to look yeah, up to. He just, yeah, you know? he just doesn't have the time. Yeah. I mean, yeah. He's, he's not timeless. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, and in the whole idea of Superman, the concept of Superman, that's timeless. You know, he is definitely iconic. Yeah. You know, he's very much, you know, but that's what the Batman also is the same. Um, because, you know, there's such, there's, they're polar opposites. Yeah. You know, Superman is everything that we hope and aspire to be. He's everything that, you know, that's bright and shining and good. And there is, you know, you know, it's the truth, justice, and you know the American way or the, the right way, and all of those things. And he's, you know, so midwesternly moral. You know, his compass is always pointing to the moral north. Yeah. You know, and he does not, you know, do wrong. Um, and you know, and whereas you know, with Batman, he is dark, and he's surrounded in a dark world, and he's born out of. He had everything. And then that was taken away, you know, the parents were taken away from him. And, uh, he, you know, he, he, his sole purpose was to make it that so that no other eight year old would be, you know, left in the street crying over their dead parents' bodies. Yeah. You know, where Superman was, you know, his is like, I have all these things, all these powers, all these abilities. Um, I can either, you know, it, basically he could either conquer the world or, you know, protect it. Which is, you know, and it's admirable that, you know, I mean, again, that he does protect it. But, uh, you know, it, the psychology of Superman is much simpler than the psychology it of is, Batman. Yeah, and, and I think that's why, I think that's why kind of Batman continues to stand the test of yeah. time is that because he is a man, there's so much creativity in how he gets it done. I mean, exactly. Superman, it's like, I got to go stop that airplane okay i'm just gonna fly up and grab it and stop it yeah you know yeah. batman is like you know and the fact that he comes from kind of this detective mindset yeah. there is inherent creativity in that and that is such a people can grasp that and go yeah. wow he solved that problem in a very interesting way and that yeah. made for good storytelling yeah. yeah you can tell a good writer whenever they can make batman do something really really clever and yeah. put a little twist on what seems what story's been told, you know, a thousand times. Yeah. So, you know, and that's, that's where you can do. And I mean, and obviously good writers can do anything with any character. Um, but with Batman, it's always, it seems like it's just open-ended, you know, you can put Batman in space and it makes sense, Yeah. you know, because Batman can afford to do that. You know, yeah. um, is it the best place for Batman? No, but you can do it and you can have Batman do all of these things because, you know, he's just, you know, he's just the man he's, and, you know, his brain is what allows him to do these things because he's trained his body. He's trained his mind to where that he can, you know, overcome these things. And with just his will, you know, and his body may fail him, but his will will still push him yeah. forward, won't relent. And so, you know, to, to make sure that, you know, that the world is safer or at least that the bad guys are not able to do the bad things anymore. Yeah. Yeah. 
And occasionally have a bad voice. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I'm Batman. (laughs) All right. So we have a question. That okay. we, we ask all of our all of our guests, and it might be actually kind of an easy answer for you right now, knowing that you're getting ready to go into grad school and all the sorts of things like that. But is is there something can be absolutely anything that when you kind of start thinking about it gets you really excited to the point that it might keep you up at night? Uh, you know, it's it's something that could easily all consume you. If I mean, yeah, there's always something. If I'm if I get into that, if I really tap into something, um, a project or a series or something that is just resonating within me, that I just am compelled to continue to work on it, and you know, where I just or you know, if it's one painting or several paintings or a drawing or something, you know, or or even like you know, um, you know, like a mixtape, you know, something where I'm just like, I have to make this because this is what's on my mind and I want to work on it till it's finished or I want to work on it till I get to the point to where I know that if I continue to work on it, I'm only going to make, uh, I'm not going to make progress. I'm going to push myself backwards because it's all, you know, with creative work, it's push and pull, push and pull. And, you know, sometimes you feel like, oh, I've got a lot of push in me. You know, I can, I can, you know, I can do this. And then sometimes you got to, you know, you have to pull back to be like, okay, I need to not mess with that. So, so yeah, there's always, you know, I mean, the work, um, can do that. The, uh, something that really is just clicking, it's really just firing and, and it's being the productivity and the, you know, the groove, uh, is there. And, uh, that definitely is something that I can lock into and we keep me up at night. Um, like whenever I was earlier, when I talked about, I had my massive creative burst, um, I would be working all day and painting at my shop and I would, uh, stay till like nine or 10 o'clock at night painting, maybe even 11 or so. I'd go home and I would sit down and maybe and watch a little TV and I would go to bed and then I would wake up four hours later, maybe. Um, you know, four hours before I needed to open my shop, you know, at six in the morning, and I'm not a morning person, but I'd wake up at six in the morning and drive down to my store and paint, you know, I mean, it was just like, it consumed me, it overwhelmed me, and like, this is something that I had to, you know, I had to do, so, so yeah, there's, there's, whenever I get into that, whenever I do get consumed by a project or a piece or something uh, that I'm working on, there can be that aspect, but there's also times to where um, I don't touch a canvas for months. Um, usually that's at the end of a rather lengthy productive period. Um, last year, um, I, since I was working on portfolio pieces to, for submission, um, I had, I had probably five or six, figure paintings that I did because my portfolio was all based off of um, my, it was all figure work. So I had about five or six that I'd done, started the year before and had done till, you know, probably around March, maybe, yeah, about five or six. And I knew I needed 15 to 20 pieces. So between, essentially between um, May and September, I, cranked out um, 15 to 16 large paintings. And it may have been even uh, October. 
And I mean, large, like, you know, my, most of mine are, you know, a small painting for me is three feet by three feet. So yeah, I paint large, like, you know, four, five feet by six feet, you know, 48 by 60, I guess that's four by five, but we, you know what I'm saying? Um, so large paintings, large, you know, really kinetic work. Um, and I cranked out that amount of work because I was in a, I was, I was focused. I had to get this amount of work done. I needed to get this done. I was driven. And, um, you know, I, um, was, you know, I'm working through this and I, I'm, I'm using fuel from outside sources of my, in, within myself, you know, to pr- push me to channel all of this through and make these paintings. And I, you know, I was, you know, I made a lot of paintings, a lot of good paintings. And, um, that kept me, you know, I mean, not necessarily that, that didn't really keep me up so much at night because I would work so hard on it so often that it would kind of, you know, drain me, but I was ready to go again the next day. And then after that, after I got to my mark about 20 or 21 paintings, I took a break and I basically did not paint anything for about three months. And I was a little bit nervous when I went back into the studio, but I was fine and everything clicked again and I just kept working. So, huh? Yeah. Well, I, can def- I can definitely tell Adam wins the he award. Wins. He, he, well, first off, he wins the award because that is, I think the best answer. We've that had is to the that best question. answer. But it also was the most effortless. You know, most people they'll sit and they'll hesitate yeah. on it and they'll have to think. I am. And I mean, surprised he, by how people struggle with that. But. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I listened to several of your shows today uh, in prep for for. Uh, oh, he rehearsed this answer. That's what he's getting ready to say. <laughs> no, 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 no. I actually thought all day. I was like, "What is it? I don't have anything. Nothing really keeps me up from sleep except occasionally my cat's making too much noise." Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, you know, when you actually hit it with hit me with it, then there it was. So yeah. that's awesome. There that's, you go. That's even better. Yeah. That's even better. Yeah. Very good. All right. Yeah. Well, Adam, Adam Beebe. So, so you have, you've got a, a website of your art. And uh, so what, what is that? It is uh, beebeart at blogspot or dot blogspot.com. Uh, it's B-E-E-B-Y-A-R-T dot B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T dot com. Um, it's a, you know, I'm not, I'm not like, uh, you, Mr. Fusa, the very technically savvy, um, at all. I'm a, I'm a blog spot boy myself. I, you know, I, uh, it, it, it does my heart good to know that they're still. still it's easy and, you know, and it works. So, yeah. So that's where I post a lot of my, uh, my, my paintings and my drawings and stuff. Um, I have, you know, and I just made an Instagram about a month or two ago, which is BBR, uh, whatever the Instagram thing is. I don't know. Um, so yeah, I'm not, you know, I don't have much of a web presence. Uh, I have a, a dilapidated Facebook fan art fan page or something, but I, I don't even go there anymore. Um, but yeah, so that, that's, that's as of now, that's my web presence. And I probably could try and be more present on the web, but that takes away from me doing. Yeah. You know, and uh, and that's another thing, like the business side of art, trying to get out, and get entered into shows, and try to you know talk to people in galleries and stuff like that's a whole other career where I just would rather be making, you know. But at the same time, I've got to. That's another element that I've got to task and and learn. So get yourself an agent. <laughs> 
Yeah. We'll get there. There you go. Well, Adam, it has been awesome to talk to you because it has been way too long since we've actually talked. So, so that's been really, really good. And uh, I'm really excited to to see where uh, where this goes from. And I really want to hear, you know, once you get into grad school, kind of how how that how that does set against you know, kind of what you're anticipating versus you know, you know all that stuff. So it'll be good to it'll be good to know. Well, sounds good. Yeah. <laughs> Well, Adam, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to come on the show. Thank you, Adam. I mean, I appreciate it. 